This is the EC Podcast, by and for emerging conservation professionals. Today's episode, Applying Phase 2. Today we have four students that applied last year during COVID. They were the test run, essentially. And we also have one student who's in the first year of the APP. Hey, I'm Amelia Hammond, and I'm one of the medal students this year. I'm Paula, and I'm uh, one of the photograph students. My name is Kristina Kusakina, and I'm from the Historic Interiors specialty. Hi, I'm Kirby Martino, and I'm in the Wooden Furniture specialty. Hi, my name is uh, Fana. I am a third-year student or first-year APP uh, student in book and paper. Today we're going to be talking about what the application process is like during COVID. Those interested in applying to contemporary glass and ceramic, textiles, paintings, or technical art history for the year 2021 to 2022 completed the first round of applications in January. For more information about the process, please reference the University of Amsterdam's webpage for conservation and restoration. And for advice about applying, check out our Instagram at EC Podcast. So for today's episode, we'll be discussing what applicants can expect in the coming weeks. We're going to move chronologically, beginning with advice about the testing that takes place the 19th through 25th of February, 2021. In addition to a simple test for colorblindness and a set of specialization specific essay questions, these online tests include a multiple choice and open question chemistry test, a multiple choice test on the principles of conservation and restoration, and another multiple choice test on preventive conservation. The tests you take depend on the specialty that you've applied to, but we won't be getting into that on the pod. Please visit the University of Amsterdam's website, which we have included in our show notes for more information. Then we're going to tell you about our own experiences submitting a portfolio. And lastly, we'll give some advice about interviewing on Zoom. Most of our panel today applied during the beginning of COVID last year and are the only other students who have interviewed online. That being said, let's get started. For the first round of tests that you did online, is there a specific way that you prepared for the testing? Amelia? Well, I'd say fortunately that UVA provides us with really straightforward and helpful study material. And I think if you go through it and you come across a concept that you have some particular difficulty with, um, it's worth taking time to seek out different literature or maybe online learning platforms like Khan Academy to try to figure out the issues you're having. I found that really helpful when I was studying. Kirby, why don't you go? Okay. Um, yeah, so for the chemistry test, I don't know um, what everyone else's background is, but I went to school for studio arts and then art history. So before I like started studying for this test, um, I hadn't taken a chemistry class since I was in like my sophomore year of high school and I didn't even take AP chemistry and I was like really, really bad at it. So um, I ended up taking like a local community college general chem one class so I could figure out how to like balance equations and what the periodic table was. Um, And then after that, I went to a secondhand bookstore and I bought a bunch of like workbooks and like chemistry for dummy textbooks and found myself um, like a friend of a friend who was really good at chemistry and just worked through the the online the online example test like at least 20 times and um, worked through all the problems that related to what were on the test 
in my workbook and like she really annoyed the friend of a friend with so many so many questions it's great that you had somebody that knew chemistry to be able to bounce your thoughts off of and learn from fena you were going to talk next i would just say also i ended up taking all of the tests but also remember that you can also apply to be exempt from certain tests if you've taken courses recently in the past that are applicable. So I could have gotten an exemption from the chemistry test and I didn't think I could have at the time, but there's no harm in emailing. Um, I don't know who the person is, probably Renee, I'm not sure. Um, uh, and saying like, hey, this is my most recent course history. Does this qualify me for an exemption? Because I did have classmates who exempted out and I could have as well. And that probably would have made me less stressed. Um, but I did actually something very similar to what Kirby did. I also bought a uh, like chemistry general workbook to just refresh myself um, on some of the basics. Um, I also, let me think, they have um, listed on the website uh, literature for each of these tests that you can you know access. I think it was the conservation ethics test that has a very specific title and that book ended up being very difficult for me to find. I don't know if the others had similar or have any tips on where to get that. Christina. Well, um, maybe because you were studying a bit earlier, like four years ago for that, but when we were studying, I was, was very easy for me to find it on Google Books. I mean, I had to pay money, but it was still accessible. And I just studied using that book online and um, it was actually very interesting to read. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> so definitely, I think there are more sources that are becoming available online. And especially because I was in Russia at the time, so there was no way I could have found that book in print <laughs> in English. Paulette, were you able to find the text? I have to say I didn't have any problems finding the book. Um, but that's probably due to that I have a few friends and family members that are really good at finding books online really cheap and with that i will say maybe try to look at different websites from second handed because uh, maybe some of us that um, had to buy it last year we are selling it so that's always something good to keep in mind that's a very good idea i did i actually remember this now that you're talk, all talking about it but the year that i applied i paid money to buy the book and download it and that was very i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but that was very useful when i was taking the test because it was a digital copy and i could search the text yeah please remember these are online tests and you are allowed to it is an open book test so uh one of my classmates or my underclassmen to tell me that she studied very hard thinking, that she would have to memorize everything. Uh, please know everyone taking these tests that they are open book and that you can have your notes in front of you as you are taking the test. That is definitely very helpful. Please don't suffer um, anymore by trying to memorize everything. Yeah, when I took the test, um, I found the book at my art college. So I think that maybe if you live near an arts college or a, like university that has a big art or art history program they might have the book and i also bought it on um google books so when i took the test i had a friend's laptop with the book pulled up 
and then I had I photocopied uh, the book from the library and I highlighted relevant passages and I like wrote little summaries at the top of each of the um, sections we were supposed to read and I looked like I looked wild taking the test because I took over um, the living room of my apartment. And I had like stacks of paper everywhere. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that maybe the book is a little bit easier to find these days. Um, but I think that it's it might be useful if you can get your hands on like multiple copies of the book, like PDFs to like command find search, but also to have like the visual confirmation might be helpful. So we're going to move on to talking about the portfolio now. So what is the purpose of submitting a portfolio for this program? Paula? When you submit a portfolio, you want to show them at least that you're able to do something with your hands, I would say. That's the main thing that they're able to see, okay, this person is able to use both hands. They're good to go if I teach them properly. So I think that probably I wouldn't say to anyone, or you don't have anything from conservation. So therefore you don't have anything to sew. If you sew something that requires skill, that's really good. That's more handy that maybe a project uh, that you did in conservation and it didn't come out the right way or it's not as nice. So that's an interesting thing to keep in mind because at least in my year, there was someone who had worked with a private conservation firm and they submitted some of the work that they'd done. And that was actually points against them during the interview. They didn't like that they had done any conservation outside of the program. Paula, yes. Having said that, all my examples from, from my portfolio, they're all conservation things, but that was because um, I was quite lucky and I had two examples of things I did in my degree. So I had the, like my teacher from paper conservation. She was quite happy about it. And I had the opinion of the paper conservator uh, from a museum I was working when I was in London. And she was like, oh yeah, I really like what you did in this uh, thing. Like really good use of the adhesives. And so she was quite happy with it. <laughs> And I have some examples from other photograph uh, courses and some internship, but I didn't put the more risky things that I did that maybe or, or wasn't happy with it. I will say if you put conservation things that you did, it must be something you're still proud of it and you don't have doubts about it. So otherwise they're going to see it. Very good specification. Thank you. Amelia, I think you were talking about that as well. Oh, well, I'll, I'll say I also had some conservation stuff in mine, and it was stuff that I wasn't exactly proud of, but I had, I think the reflections were, um, I, I talked about why that was the case, and I think it showed a bit of an understanding of maybe what went wrong. Um, it wasn't actual conservation work, but conservation samples. Um, so yeah, if, if you have something that maybe didn't go <laughs> the way you would have liked, I think if you have a good reflection on it, it might help. That's very important to consider because the next process of the application, if you get in, is doing the interviews. And you talk about your portfolio during the interview, That's especially over Zoom, that's the main source of information that they have about you and your work. And so you do need to be able to talk about everything that you've submitted. Fena? I was just going to say, um, I think the Portfolio is really a way for you to show that you have hand skills or you have some experience working with your hands. 
And even if it's not good, even if you are not a art background, I think showing that you have attempted and then also being able to reflect on that critically and say, this is what I did. This is my experience. Now that I've done this, maybe I'll do this differently. That's very important to show um, your lecturers because it's something we have to do as conservators all the time as well. So I think it's not only a show of, oh, do you have experience in art or do you have you know, experience using your hands. I think it's also, can you think critically about something you've worked on in the past? I think when I applied, I did have previous conservation experience, but I didn't submit any um, because I had been a little bit confused about whether or not I was allowed to. And because I was uh, interviewing in person, there was a little thing that said, oh, you have to bring your, uh, your items with you. And of course, if I'm working on items from an institution, I'm not gonna, I can't take a book out of the library that I worked at and bring it to the Netherlands. Like that's not going to work. So I submitted all art pieces. And then when I arrived, I had printed out basically my conservation portfolio, my treatments, and I had a little booklet that was just like an additional thing to be like, hey, I have this if you want to see it. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. But yeah, it's a little bit, it really depends the, the conversation about whether or not you should put in a, conservation treatment or if it's good to have previous experience or not. It's a very tense topic in, in this program. And it kind of depends on which specialization you're in um, and how you present it. It gets a little, so I, I can't really give good advice for that is a thing because I think it really depends on each professor's personal opinion, which is a little, a little annoying, but that's okay. What I did is kind of, well, I submitted a lot of works that were really academic, like drapery, blah, blah, blah. And then I also submitted something that's midway through your skill and your conservation treatment. I submitted damage map uh, for one of the section of the wall painting because I'm a historic interior. So I thought that might be useful for them to see that I can do damage mapping. And I don't know if it worked, but when they interviewed me, they seemed to like it when I talked to them about that. So it wasn't actually showing the before and after the restoration treatment itself. And actually now one of the first things that I had to do in the first semester, we had to do damage mapping for one of the wall paintings that we did. So I was like, well, great. That's fantastic that you could show that. Kirby, did you have anything to say about portfolio submissions? Oh, for sure. I didn't um, submit any of my previous treatments because I thought that that could be difficult to show clearly in images, like to show the complexity of the the testing and the documentation and the actual treatment so i for wooden furniture i submitted a few boxes that i had built for the occasion that showed different wood skills and i made the shellac and i made the glue and i did the whole process and then i submitted uh some gilding and some life drawings because you can't go wrong with life drawings and then like a retouching practice panel so it was some it was a, got a little bit conservationy but I, um, what I ended up doing was similar to what Finna did. I didn't make a booklet because I didn't go in person, but I made a slideshow of, um, with sort of my interview of previous treatments that I had done and then kind of like informational diagrams, graphics, I suppose, about my previous conservation experience, you know, places I had interned at and how that informed my hands-on conservation experience, which seemed to be a hit, seemed to be the best of both worlds to be able to talk about actual treatment processes in the interview. but have sent in something that was more of a demonstrating hand skills um, portfolio. I think this is a good transition because the interview and the portfolio really are very linked. 
Um, but something I'm thinking of now is that being able to do your interview over Zoom actually can give you a lot of freedom in what you show in terms of your portfolio. You can include videos, you can make a slideshow. These are great ideas and it's a way to show them that you've gone a little bit above and beyond. So um, what do you think the purpose of the interview is within the application process? Christina? Well, the purpose is for them to get to know you since this year they couldn't see you in person, so at least they could see you online. And of course, it's for them to see what you're saying about your own works, about your own portfolio. So what I did is I think what most of the people did is I created a PowerPoint where I included my works that I submitted for the portfolio and some other things that I wanted to submit, but I couldn't because of the limit. And uh, also, I think is for the professors to ask them really kind of questions. But one of the questions that were asked to me is, are you able to pay for this program? It's a four year program. You're going to study for a long time. And are you able to pay for it? Are you able to really go through with it? So that really demonstrated to me that it's not only them seeing if I'm academically able to finish this program, but also financially. And obviously, there was also opportunity for me to ask lots of questions, which I'm always a very um, enthusiastic about. Yes, did everyone take the chance during their interview to ask questions? 50-50? <laughs> yeah, Kirby. Yeah, I was really surprised at the interview. We say, um, asked about my portfolio, my, talked about my test scores, we talked about my previous experience, my internships, that sort of thing, like very par for the course. And then they started asking me questions about my personality and how I worked in groups. And I think one of the questions they asked me, which I was not ready for at like nine in the morning, um, what three words would I use to describe myself? And they asked me that question that I like completely forgot every word I knew. Um, but yeah, I, it makes sense because I suppose when you do an in-person test, you get a sense for personality and okay, if the student does come and they are part of a group of, you know, four to six students who are on top of each other for four years, can they work well in a group? Are they the type that, will they collaborate on projects? Are they the type of person who not only has the hand skills, the academic skills, but the like social skills to collaborate in a conservation lab? And yeah, it's something that looking back on, I like I think that it, I, maybe I should have seen coming that they would have to kind of substitute out actually observing me interact and solve problems with other people with asking me about how I did it. But I absolutely did not see that one coming. Yeah. Amelia? Um, <laughs> well, no, I had the same exact same experience. At one point in the interview, someone asked me what type of friend I am. And I was completely not expecting that. I had done practice interviews, looked at all these practice questions. I, I think that they were also focused on finding if we were a good fit at the UVA, but also if the UVA was a good fit for us. So that was an interesting part of it. And yes, Paula. Following what you just said, I think it's important to understand that an interview goes both ways because you need to learn if, you're, if the program is right for you. And there's no better way than to ask them all the questions and see if, if you will get along with the teachers as well. So maybe you're not able to ask them, so how are you? How would you describe yourself? But it's good to have a feeling of how you will fit 
And if it's not just you um, that are right for the program, but the program right for you. So it's just like a normal interview for a job. Exactly. And I think that that's something that can also be comforting because public speaking in interviews is a terrifying thing for a lot of people. But if you just remember that they don't have all of the power, if you get in, you have to say yes. So you can ask them any question that you want in order to figure out if this is right for you. And then I think that takes a little bit of the fear out of it. Uh, are there any parting thoughts that anybody has about the process? Fena? Um, I would just tell people to be kind to themselves, especially if uh, interviews are something that you are really anxious about. Uh, like, give yourself time, you know? That is part of being kind to yourself, is making sure that you give yourself time to set up, have your things near you, you know, test out Zoom uh, with a friend or something, like just check everything, you know, so that you don't have to panic last minute and uh, give yourself time to like prepare and, you know, have your things beside you and, and it'll, it'll be fine. I think a lot of the professors here are very kind and very understanding, especially right now with everything happening. So I, I think just, you know, keep that in mind that it, it's not the end of the world here. So. <laughs> Be kind to yourself, and I, I think the professors will also uh, be very kind in their, uh, in their reaction. For a closer look inside the program, please follow us on Instagram at ecpodcast and visit our website, www.ecpodcast.de. This podcast is edited by Rebecca Kashkin. Our theme song is by Mene van Veldhausen and Paul van Laar. Our logo is designed by Adler Papiernik. <laughs>